Hi everyone, and welcome to the next edition of the Money Mend podcast, which is designed to talk about all things finance and wealth related. Please remember, this is general advice only and does not take into account your personal circumstances. Seek professional advice which takes your individual circumstances into account before implementing any ideas or strategies mentioned in this podcast. Anyway, enough of the legal stuff. Here comes Steve and Luke. Welcome to the Money Men podcast. I'm uh, Steve and I'm here with my colleague Luke. Hey Steve, how are you? Good, thanks. Good. Today's the 19th of June, yep. 2020. Getting um, up there in the year. It the is. Year. It's been a couple of weeks, um, as usual, between now and our last podcast. Yep. Uh, what, what's been happening in the last couple of weeks? Fair, fair bit. I mean, obviously, you know, unless you've been living under a rock, you know, it seems that the world is slowly opening up post-COVID. Um, I think as we alluded to, you know, last time we spoke, we've potentially won the potentially won the you know the medical you know war but the next piece is the economic war um on on covid so you know it's good to say that the that that world is opening up a little bit shops travel restaurants bars all starting to open up so um hopefully we get back to um near total normality soon we had the opportunity to have our first schooner at the pub last week didn't we we did yeah it was good good to have that yeah it was Um, (laughs) what's the australian share market been doing Last um, couple of weeks. Well, I mean, for anyone watching the news each night, it's probably pretty scary. But yeah. I mean, when you look at things, the reality is it's down one percent um, yep, for the fortnight. Yeah, for yeah. the fortnight. But you know, within those days, you know, within the last fortnight, you've seen increases of four percent and decreases of four percent. And you know, where have we ended up? We've ended up negative one percent. So, yeah, so sort of, sort of the same, haven't yeah. we? After all those ups and downs daily. Mm-hmm. Um, American market, uh, S&P 500 down about 2.5% yeah. over the same period. Yep. Again, lots of volatility. That's, um, I guess that's expected at the moment with the, you know, almost hourly news coming out that can affect markets one way or the other. Or how people actually participate in them. Mm. So that's probably yeah. the key thing. You know, mm. you've got panicked uh, people buying and selling and mm. they're often referred to as investors, but I beg to differ. Yeah. <laughs> We've had the government talking down the economy, mm-hmm. uh, not talking it up, but talking it down. And yeah. uh, I think I read yesterday that uh, ScoMo was saying that it'll, you know, words to the effect, it will take many, many years to uh, to get out of the hole we're in. Yep. Um, yeah, there's, you know, you got to take with a grain of salt what any politician says. But yep. um, yeah, you know, obviously there's been a lot of money spent in stimulus. So yeah, uh, yeah somehow we've got to work our way back from that. Yeah, and I don't think they want to peg themselves and say it's going to be a really rosy recovery. I think mm. they sort of want to um, take yep. that conservative line yep, where set, possible. Set the expectations. Yep. Uh, they did announce a, a, a scheme um, to try, you know, want to try and help um, the building industry, especially, mm. yep. so to stimulate the economy that way. Uh, the home builder scheme. Yep. Um, we'll, we'll actually talk about that in a little yeah. bit. Okay. Um, and hot off the press this morning on the the nineteenth yes. of June two thousand twenty, um, cyber attacks. Yes. You know, so uh, apparently uh, a. State-sponsored state-sponsored, yeah, they call it a state-sponsored actor. 
actor um, that's what they do mm. um has been uh trying to hack into various mm. uh, australian government and other agencies um so interesting um we, w- we won't speculate on who the actor is but i'm won't. sure yeah. i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure you yeah. can draw your own conclusions yeah so an interesting world isn't it um mm. you know where cyber attacks can uh, can have a big effect or and be as impactful as as you know um mm. traditional you know war war in in some yeah. respects yep uh, website, where's that at? www.themoneymen.com.au. Mm-hmm. Uh, get on there and ask a question. Yep. Um, where you know our email addresses are on there. You can ask a question through the form on the website as well. Um, leave a review through whichever podcast you uh, forum you listen to. Yep. So Apple or Spotify, if you can even yep. leave a review on Spotify. Spotify I don't even know. Sure. Um, but if you can leave a review, leave a review. Um, what are we going to talk about today? Uh, we'll actually have a chat about this home builder scheme. Yep. Um, we'll have a bit of a talk about the concept of, uh, of being able to time the market mm-hmm. or when, you know, timing the best time to invest into the and share market. the share market, market. yeah. Um, just have a little bit of a chat about our take on whether businesses will, will want people working from home in the future mm-hmm. or whether offices still will exist. Yeah. Um, have a bit of a chat about uh, that uh, item of spending in everyone's budget, the mm. discretionary spending. Mm-hmm. What is it? Yep. Um, what are the dangers of not managing it? Mm-hmm. Um, then we'll have a bit of a chat about one of your pet uh, pet topics is the funds management <laughs> industry. And um, and I think you wrote a blog recently uh, calling it funds management, too many cooks in the kitchen. That's right, Steve. So we'll have a chat about that. Rehash um, that. So there's a fair bit there. There is a fair bit there. So let's hook in. All right. Great. So let's... Um, First of all, have a chat about the home government's... Uh, yeah, the yeah. Home Builders Scheme. Home Builders Scheme, yeah. Yep. Cool. So um, that's the one that you may have heard about where the um, the scheme offers 25000 for, I guess, new homes and, mm-hmm. and renovations. Yep. Um, but they're, like all of these schemes, not everyone would qualify. Mm. Um, so what is eligibility? So, so I guess, first of all, a lot of people are seeing it as, um, you know, as a way that they can do some renos on the house and yep. get twenty five grand back. Yep. Um, but it's not just your basic reno. If you do a kitchen or you do a bathroom or you do a kitchen and a bathroom, yep. you're probably not going to qualify. No. Uh, and because, is that because yeah. of the sum of the how it's, much you need to actually spend It is, to yeah. Yeah. So eligibility-wise, um, you need to be an adult Australian citizen. Mm-hmm. Sort of makes sense that you'd yep. be an adult. Um, and your taxable income has to be less than $125,000 a year. Or if you live with your partner, combined income... Less than two hundred thousand okay. per year. So there's right. an income threshold. So an if you're above threshold. that, you're not eligible. If you're yep. below that, you're in, you're in that income eligibility. Yep. Um, now, before the end of the year, you would need to have entered into the contract mm-hmm. to renovate or build your main place of residence, mm-hmm. and construction has to begin within three months of the contract date. Okay. Um, and it doesn't apply to investment properties. It's only principal places of residence. Yep. Um, so that's an interesting one. So you'd have to make sure all your ducks are in, are in a row mm. um, if you're going to be building um, or doing a major renovation because um, construction has to begin within three months. Of, um, of you signing yeah. the contract. Yeah. yeah, so if it can't commence within three months for whatever reason, mm. and it's reasonably common that they're... No, they of course not the builders are going to be busy. They're going to yeah. be you know, yeah. potentially yeah. laden up with their own work. So you, you know, yeah. it might so, not be that three month. Yeah, so you need to be careful about that. <clears throat> Um, for renos, um, uh, you need to spend between 
150,000 and 750,000 of your own money. Mm -hmm. uh, and the house you're renovating must be valued at less than $1.5 million prior to the renovations. Yep. I don't exactly know how you would um, know whether your house was valued at less than $1.5 million. Mm. There'll probably be some mechanism yeah. um, to, 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 to work that out, yeah. um, whether it has to be an official valuation or whether it's a uh, yeah. real estate appraisal, or you don't yeah. know. Um, so, and, and probably just on that point about spending 150, between needing to spend 150,000 or 750,000 of your own money to be eligible. Mm. Um, so obviously there's a minimum spend there. So yep. they don't want people doing 20, you know, you can't do 20 grand's worth of renos and hope to get the $25,000 um, boost. Mm. And obviously there's a cap because yep. they don't want people who have the means mm. to um, fund these renovations just to pick up that 25 grand when they probably didn't necessarily need it. But when it says your own money, I mean, I think it can be assumed that that, that could be a loan. So, yeah, you know, yeah, if, you, yeah. if you've loaned the money to do $150,000 of renovating, mm. you're eligible for that yeah. $25,000 grant. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm guessing that's what, yeah. That, yeah, I'm, make that assumption. That's what would have been, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's probably just, you know, yeah. you don't necessarily need to have, I would assume, and it hasn't mm. been necessarily specified, but you just wouldn't think that you need 150 grand in the bank mm. um, to pick up, you know, and do that, commit that to renovating, and then and then obviously. Yeah, so you'd be able to borrow the money. Yeah. You know, um, refinance and yeah, get the money. Yeah, exactly the right. Now, the renovations need to improve the accessibility, safety, or livability of the home, and they don't include external works like swimming pools, tennis courts, and sheds. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah, so it has to actually be to the house itself. Yeah. Um, extra rooms, go up a level. Yep. Um, major reno of, your, of, you know, if you've got three bathrooms mm. and two kitchens mm. and, and whatever, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um so you know it's it's not to you know add add that swimming pool or or, <laughs> or, or do the tennis court or put it in the big you know, kick-ass shed which, uh, down the back. You know? Which is interesting because mm. you know the the premise of the grants is to to stimulate the economy. So you know if you're a, if someone I think it's not actually quite fair if you're someone who puts pools in or mm. puts tennis courts in or puts sheds in, mm. you're effectively being excluded. From yep. being, um, you know, collecting that boost that people are going to spend money on on their mm. houses. So I actually don't think that that makes a mm. lot of sense to me. No, but you know, it is what it is, isn't yeah, it? It yeah. is. For new builds, um, the total value of the completed home needs to be less than seven hundred and fifty thousand, mm -hmm. including the land. Okay. Okay. So, um, yeah, that's what it is. Um, yeah. Now there are some requirements. Yeah, so if you meet all those eligibility requirements, there are some you know, requirements on the contract side as well. Mm -hmm. um, so the contract needs to be negotiated at a fair market price, and that's to prevent people from you know asking their builder to um, you know add an, an extra you know x amount on, um, yep. so that they can get Pick the up the twenty five thousand grand. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, you can't you sort of can't ask your your favourite uncle or your brother or um or someone like that to uh, to do the work mm. uh, because the scheme actually requires that you have no special relationship with your contractor such as being related yep 
So, and I guess that may follow that you can't, you know, be the business partner of the person who's mm. doing the work or whatever. Um, Another interesting one mm. because you might be friendly with the tradespeople because you like they've done work for you in the past, whether it yeah. be electricians or plumbers. Does that necessarily exclude? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see the fine print, yeah. won't we? Yeah. Um, Doesn't know. seem fair to me. Mm. Yeah, yeah but I guess, I guess it's around trying to make sure that people don't take advantage of the yes. system. Yes, it's you know, the yeah. manipulation of yeah. the system. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you go to your favourite uncle and say, "Hey, I need my kitchen done. Can you invoice me for, not for thirty grand, but for one hundred and fifty-one?" Yeah. Um, they're trying to get around that. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, trying I, to make sure that sort yeah. of stuff doesn't happen. And and you know there are going to be, I think, with any scheme like this, there are going to be people that take advantage of it. But I think the you know the writing's on the wall. You know you need to treat it properly. Yeah. All work needs to be conducted by a registered or licensed builder, depending mm-hmm. on your state or territory. Mm-hmm. Um, and it probably follows that, you know, if you've got concerns that the builder's increasing the price um, because they know you're going to get a grant, the grant yep. um, then you can, you know, A, you should shop around, um, and B, you can ask them to demonstrate that the, the cost of the project is mm. in line with what they've done previously. Um, because, you know, there'll be people who are spending the money to get the renovations done who are trying to take advantage, and there'll be builders um, out there not all builders, it's, you know, only a very small minority, I'm sure, yep. will try to take advantage um, because they know yeah. there's more money to be spent. Yeah, you well, know. and they'll mm. and they'll sell you the the pipe dream of you know you'll you'll pick the twenty five grand up. So you know yeah. the build cost would traditionally only cost one hundred and fifty thousand, but it now all of a sudden come costs one hundred and seventy five thousand mm. um, <laughs> because they know that you're going to pick the pick the twenty five grand up. So mm. you know there's. Yeah, it is It is what it is. Look, on the face of it, I think it makes sense. I think once you start drilling down into the detail, there's some pretty, there's some, I'd say there's some inconsistencies in, in the detail. Yeah, and yeah, not all the details out. We, we yeah. don't really know yet even how it's going to be paid. Um, so mm. it won't be paid. So how do you the, apply for be, it? Yeah, yeah, and it won't be paid through the government. It'll be paid, the national Australian government will be paid through the states and territories. Yeah. okay. Um, and we'll be yet to, to hear how that's going to happen. Yeah. But importantly, um, you'd still qualify for, you know, if, if you're building a home, you'd still qualify for any first home buyers grants and, uh, and other Stamp things that are exemptions, exemptions and, and those sorts of things yep. that are going around. So, so there's a mm. potential to pick up some significant, um, you know... Yeah, so if you're a first home buyer looking to buy a house for under 750, build a house for under $750,000, then, you know, that, that's... Yeah, it's quite it's well worth looking into yeah. and understanding it. And and correct me if I'm wrong, Steve. I think the seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar cap is where um, stamp duty is exempt too for first home mm. purchases, isn't yeah, it? I, I think don't know off the top of my head, mate. Yeah, but some, it's around that like around that, that number. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a, you know you could pick up some significant benefit. Absolutely. So there you go. That's a little yep. bit on the, on right. the home builder scheme. Yep. Um, so more detail to follow. More detail to follow. If you've got any questions about it, um, you can get on our website and um, and ask it, and we'll yep. we'll do some research yeah, and we'll send do, you some info. Do yeah. some digging. Yep. Um, okay. Uh, what was next? Timing the market. Okay. Righto. So it's fairly topical at the moment. Um, just about everyone I talk to um, socially who knows what I do mm-hmm. um, for a living mm-hmm. ask me. Is now a good time to invest in the share market? 
or the property market or, or whatever, whatever market, market it is at the moment so, because of yeah, yeah in, in the attempt to time and mm. pick, pick up an uplift because you've bought it at a discount potentially yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I you know I've, I've been thinking about charging for my social time um, around <laughs> this sort of stuff you'd be but, popular uh, wouldn't you yeah, but obviously you know I, I can't give advice to people and I just talk very generally about this sort of stuff but you know that old age you know old saying um, it is time in the market yep. rather than timing the market yep. that actually gives you the results over the so, long term. But so breaking that down, that's how long you've actually been invested for, yeah. not how not, long, how many times you've tried to take advantage of this, you know, yeah, the ups yeah. and downs. Yeah. So yeah, at the moment, share markets are pretty volatile. Mm-hmm. Property market, we don't really know what that's doing. Um, anecdotally, it's sort of holding up okay, but you know, is it going to is it going to go down? Who knows. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you know, there are a lot. Let's talk about the share market. So lots of ups and downs. There are what the media calls massive losses one day, and uh, then gains on the other day. Surprise, surprise! Mm-hmm. The media only likes to tell us about the massive losses. Yep. Um, what's a massive loss? You know, <laughs> depends on you know, on the day. So some yeah. days one percent down is is a, is a massive loss, and yeah. other days five percent is a massive loss. But who knows what yeah. is a massive loss? But you know, let's let's use the ASX, the Australian you know, top two hundred mm-hmm. companies as an example. So. Over the past 12 months, um, the, the market's down 10%. Yep. Um, last six months, it's down 12%. Mm-hmm. Um, last three months, it's up 25%. Um, last month, it's up 7%. Last week, it's up 1%. And yesterday, it was down 1%. <laughs> so it's all over the place, there's isn't lots, it? Yeah. There's lots of opportunity for uh, anxiety and hurt in there if you decided to try and time it in the last 12 months. So it seems almost illogical that an investor would actually be trying to pick the best time to invest mm. at the moment because yep. you know, that tells us that who knows I don't know no, um, no one knows no. Um, no one knew coronavirus was coming along that, and, and up it. until then mm. economically things mm. were quite were yeah, humming yeah, along quite humming well. well and markets were uh, the share market was yeah, yeah, reflecting yeah. that so yeah. you know um, people were saying hey the market the market's a little bit high um you know this is pre-covid but no one knew that coronavirus was going to no. have the impact it was going to have that's right um, and there's always the potential for an impact from something you know, so, and that's exactly yeah. it and so you know it makes sense not to try and time these things because there's just too many unknowns and yeah. they're obvious and they're standing staring you in the face and the average punter on the street is coming at it from various angles so i, I get asked you know comments like it's down a lot um, so now mm. must be a good time to get in. Mm. Hey, Steve, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yep. Give me the answer, <laughs> Steve. Yeah. Uh, it's down, but we'll go. It'll go down further. So I'll invest then. Yep. How do you know it's going to go down further? Mm-hmm. Um, will you invest then? Yeah. Um, or it's up. Um, so I'll invest now because the worst is over. Mm. Interesting one. Yep. Um, like this one. Um, my mate. Um, he said it's a good time right now. <laughs> okay, um, and then the other one is everyone else seems to be doing it, so it must mm. be right. Um, so none of those answers is correct yep. um, at all. You know, for for any investor, it's about what is right for you. Yep. Um, but when you're investing in in markets such as share markets, you know the time to get in is when you're ready and able to, and it suits and fits your goals. Mm-hmm. 
and you've got to be in for the long, long, long haul. Uh, absolutely, yeah. there's so. without a doubt. And can we just? I, I I wrote a blog recently where I tried to find long term as thirty plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fairly long term, but yeah. I don't think you, you you know if you're talking about the share market that that's mm. the type of time frames that you need yeah. to be looking at. Yeah, absolutely needs to be. You know, you need to be looking at seven, ten years minimum. Yeah. Um, but anyway. So, you know, that's, that's just my take on uh, time in the market. Um, you probably shouldn't be attempting it um, unless you, you really think you know what you're doing. Don't listen to the people at the barbecue. Don't listen to the people in, you know, the Barefoot Investor Facebook group. No. Um, get some you know, expert, qualified advice yep. if you're going to be investing in anything. Yep. And just ignore the people who are talking about the timing and, and trying to get in now and trying to get out. They're, they're yeah. going to get stung. Yep. So the ASX 200, down 10% for the last 12 months, up 80% for the last 20 years, mm. um, not even including the dividends okay. that would have been so earned. that's the yeah. price movement alone. Yeah, yeah. Yep. so, you know, long-term is the best. Time in, not timing yep there you go we might have a break for a couple of minutes or a minute or however long it takes us to have our break okay Um, and then we'll be back with the second half of our show back in a minute at steve may financial services we know how daunting the idea of seeing a financial planner can be Bearing your financial soul to a person you don't even know doesn't sound like fun, does it? That's why we believe in being approachable and being ourselves. Our mission is to provide uncomplicated, affordable and personalised financial advice to those who normally wouldn't get it. Contact us for a friendly, no-pressure consultation to get your financial stuff sorted. Steve May Financial Services www.stevemayfs.com.au Welcome back to the Money Men pad- Podcast. Steve and Luke here. Yep. Uh, I don't know what I was about to say then. Podcast or something. Who knows? Um, We're here though. But it is a podcast. <laughs> um, so let's have a bit of a chat about uh, another common uh, you know, topic or, or comment that people are making is mm-hmm. that, um, that the world as we know it in business has changed yep. and that uh, there will be masses of um, office buildings vacant as a result of the coronavirus and changes in working habits. Okay. Um, so yeah, basically, we'll so that's usually the head. That's usually the headline mm, or the comment, mm, isn't mm, it? But yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, and I've had uh, yeah, quite a number of people state to me or, or have the opinion that um, that that offices won't be required um, going forward. So I just wanted, yeah, I just want to basically have a chat about that because mm. it, to me it's quite interesting. Um, so so what's your view? But you know, where where do you stand with that, mm. Steve? Because I. I you know, we this office we went um, remote for a period of, period of time, mm. uh, probably in the crux of it, and you know we were we were prepared for you know we could do it because of the flexibility we've gone. But it was interesting. I I took the position initially that um, a lot of us would be going more remote, um, mm. and I asked you what your thoughts were and. After actually being remote, it was evident as to the reasons why you had your view. Hmm. And 
I mean, I, I mean, yeah. you but, know, leading yeah. you into it. I mean, your view is it, officers are still relevant. Really, is that? Yeah. Well, I think this is just my view. It doesn't mean I'm right. And yeah. you know, five years down the track, I could be shown to be totally, totally wrong. Uh, so my my view is that um, yeah, there technology can play a part in any business, yep. and if that technology involves being able to yeah you know, do some work remotely. Um, do video interviews yep. and, and appointments, then you know we, we'd be mad not to yep. take advantage of it. Electronic signatures of things. Yeah. I, I think there's some mm. been some massive efficiencies brought forward very yeah. quickly. And dis- discovered by businesses that weren't using them, Word, and, and, yeah. and, and decided to take the, and, you know, to, to take the lead and, and, and go forward with thing. that. Yeah, but my my underlying you know and an overarching view is that businesses generally are doing business with other businesses and there are people in those businesses mm-hmm. and there are people within those businesses and people are pretty social people um, like people yeah, yeah, yeah. although people they say like they people. don't sometimes yeah, 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 they yeah. do yeah i'm a bit of a hermit and my go-to is not to be around other people yeah. um but you know you, you do miss um the interactions mm-hmm. that you have um it's always good to be talking you know one-on-one and looking someone in the eye when you're yep. having a conversation yep. or, or sharing ideas or yep. trying to do something in your workplace you know so my, my view is that although maybe there'll be some changes to the way that offices are used mm-hmm. um, I think that they'll still um, play a big part yeah. in in our businesses going forward and because, remain relevant and remain relevant because people want to be around other people mm-hmm. and I think people work best collectively when they have that opportunity to yep. be near each other yeah, yeah. I, I think the flexibility that is mm. evident from being able to you know work remotely is 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 very beneficial um you know to the modern workforce i mean obviously there's limits because nurses paramedics mm. police they're not they're not yeah, going to they, be working they, from they home, work from home. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're yeah. not working from yeah. home so yeah, you know there's it, it obviously mm. applies the typical white collar position yeah. um but you know i think you're exactly right there's a so we're social beasts if we you know want to admit it or not um and we we do thrive on that interaction and i think that's still going to be very important and that only really came home to me after actually working remotely for a small period mm. of time yeah um you were you were chomping at the bit to get back weren't you? yeah it was yeah, how, yeah, you know yeah. i mean you know yeah. it was good to get back into the office as you know i think there's enhanced levels of communication that you know you're never going to get through video and email and phone calls um mm. I, Again, I could be wrong. Mm. I'm, I mean, I'm half your age and I'm mm. saying the same thing as you. Mm. And, you know, if you actually look at things, you know, you look at our youngest generations, the ones mm. who have had to remotely learn from home for, you know, two, two months from yeah. my observation, it hasn't been that good. Mm. hasn't been and, easy for them. Yeah, my, and it hasn't yeah, been easy. Yeah, and yeah, you've been my daughter... Uh, at home for however long it was it would have been six weeks I guess yeah. I don't know I can't yeah. remember it, was, it seemed like a long time um, <laughs> it was quite stressful for her and her, and her um, schoolmates yeah. to, to be trying to learn without um, the intervention or assistance um, of that the person and, and their peers yep um, so yeah. And and that doesn't that just highlight the point that you're that you know the most tech savvy generation, which is mm. going to be your daughter's generation and years before them, um, before her, you know they even struggled with that level of remoteness, and yeah. they are much more technology savvy than we are. They are. Summary: People need people. So, Good one. Uh, okay. What are we talking about next? Um, discretionary spending. 
so that's uh, I wrote a blog recently about you know discretionary spending. Um, what we, is it? Uh, discretionary spending. So what is it? Um, that's well. What made me write the blog was that I've uh, been doing a, a reasonable amount of um, cash flow and budgeting planning with some clients mm-hmm. recently, and um, it's very easy, not very easy, it's, but it's easy enough to understand what your spending is around things like your rent or your yep. mortgage payments or your electricity usage yep. or um, how much your phone bill is, mm-hmm. uh, those types of things. It's not so easy to understand what you're spending on your discretionary items. And what are they? Okay, so they're the things that you don't really have to spend to be able to survive, mm-hmm. I guess is a way to put it. So you would know? you break it down in needs and wants? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Discretionary is, uh, that includes a lot of your wants. Yeah. You know? So your groceries, you know what your groceries are going to be pretty yeah. much every week. You yeah. Know? Sometimes more than they should be, mm. but you know, it, they it, are what they are. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. You know, you could have said discretionary spending on internet 10 or 15 years ago, uh, you know, spe- spending mm. on an internet connection or a high data connect, you know, mm. plan for your phone 10 or 15 years ago was discretionary. Yeah. It wasn't a need. Yeah. Or, a, but, or a phone. Or, or a mobile phone. Or a mobile phone. Yeah, but it's, but, it's oh, almost yeah. a need these days. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's interesting how things can change. They can come yeah. into the fold of being a need, or they can come out of the fold, but, yeah. you know, to being a need. Yeah. So when I, you know, when I think about discretionary spending in a in a normal household, um, the sorts of things I'm talking about are, you know, how much you spend on my pet hate ciggies, you know, <laughs> on the Winnie Blues. How much you spend on them? Um, well, take what, away, are, what are they now? Yeah, They're like yeah. thirty or forty dollars. Uh, well, I wouldn't know. know uh, but, uh, but you know. If, I actually did some numbers. I think if a person smokes a pack of cigarettes a day, mm-hmm. it costs them around $14,000 a year. It's mm. a lot of money. Um, what about takeaway meals? It's you almost know? a mortgage payment. Yeah. Takeaway meals, you know, could cost, if you do an extra takeaway meal a night for your family, maybe that's you know, a few grand a year. Yep. Um, um, going for that extra weekend away every few months, you know, that, that could add, add up to five or six grand a year. The expensive label shoes and the clothing could cost thousands more per year than, you know, your basic yep. non-label stuff. Um, what else could be a discretionary item? Just just about anything you don't really need, you know, mm. so buy subscriptions to music, yeah. you know, um, subscriptions to... Foxtel and things Foxtel, like that. Subscriptions to podcasts. Ours is free. Yeah, um, good point. But um, it's an area that can get away on people. Yeah. Um, and it can be... And, I mean, you know, you know, we live in a subscription world and it's so easy to just sign up, mm. not use the service and keep paying for the service because it'll typically start off quite... You know, it's yeah. not it's not that expensive. I mean, and, and at the time when you sign up, you think you need it, okay? But <laughs> but after time, you realise that you probably don't. You don't yeah. use it, but you still continue to pay for yeah. it. Gym, gym membership, correct? Um, that's another one. It's, um, it's easy, although <laughs> the gyms weren't operational for the last few months, but no, it is they, easy they to. But you know, I'm a case in point. There was a period of time there for about six months that I was paying a gym membership and didn't go to the gym, yeah. um, and it took me that long to to cancel. And, um, and that is not a logical decision no, to not. continue to pay, but, but mm. that's where they get you because mm. they know yeah. that there is, you know, a potential need to be physically healthy, mm. and they're trying to, you know, they're trying to provide that service, and you don't, you, you just want to keep it just in case you might need it 
tomorrow or the next mm. day mm. or you think to yourself, oh, I'm going to be a better person, I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow and you never do. <laughs> you don't actually go and you keep paying. Yeah. It's easy to, to justify just about any discretionary yeah. spending so, item. So you, you know, mate, people say, you know, life is short, mm. you know, we deserve it, you yep. can't take it with you, mm. uh, all work and no play makes jack a dull boy um you know <laughs> <That's an old laughs> it is um in some age there but um but the reality is that if you can be disciplined enough to cut back even somewhat on some of those discretionary mm. items and divert that money um to you know savings or investing or paying down debt it, it'll have a massive impact over oh, time yeah. um you know it sounds sounds reasonably simple but it's not easy to cut back and um um, but yeah, I just wanted to bring that up that um, that's the area where wastage occurs in, in most people's or families' um, yep. budgets or, or cash flow. Um, it's not the stuff that you know about, that you know what it's going to cost yep. you. You know you know your electricity, you know what your rent yep. is, you know what your, yep. your mortgage payments are. But from week to week, you're really not going to understand yep. how much you spend on the take takeaways yep. or going to the pub for a yep. beer or um, you know, having your coffees or... or or going for breakfast, yeah. you know, those sorts of things. And, and isn't it interesting? We're all trying to um, save on on our um, our non-discretionary expenditure, mm, whether yeah. it be mortgages, electricity, insurance, and mm. things like that. Those areas where we may feel like we're getting a savings, mm. but it's probably much better to attack the discretionary expenditure yeah. to yeah. see if you can get savings there. If you, yeah, listen, you know, it can be worth, well worthwhile, you know, finding savings yeah. in those other I'm areas, not as other disca- areas. I'm not but, discounting yeah, if that. You, if for mm. every half hour or hour you spent trying to chase down your, your, your um, better insurance deal, mm. you match that with trying to cut down on some of these wasted spending items, yeah. then you'd be even better off. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I, I, yeah, sorry, I'll go back. Mm. I mean, I'm not trying to say that, you know, you shouldn't try and get a better deal on your house, or mm. electricity or, what, or insurance, but... You know, it seems that the first port of call is to go and find where we can save money on those needs, mm. those those items that we need, not those items that we don't need. Yeah, so, yeah. hey, here's the answer. Just yeah. don't go out and spend 50 bucks on takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a good savings there. That's exactly right. Well, don't, you know, don't, don't whack uh, 100 bucks on the nose on race four at, at Flemington. Easier said than done. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so anyway, that was, um, I thought I'd, I'll just bring that one up. Yep. I think it's a, an area we we do have tools and uh, and resources that we can uh, send your way if you wanted to get on the website and make an inquiry um, and uh, and start to get on start top of your spending. Them. Yep. What was last on our list? Um, um, the blog. Oh, the this this is yours. This funds is your, management. Yeah, yeah, you wrote a blog recently around the funds management uh, industry. I guess. Yep. Um, and what do you call it? A case of too, of too many, many cooks in the kitchen. Too many cooks in the kitchen. What do you mean by that? Well, um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna harp in onto the detail too much, um, you know. But w- what I wanted to highlight to people that there are only so many stocks out there in the investment universe in, in shares, shares yeah, in, yeah, in, yeah. in Australia. So yeah, yeah. you know, your Commonwealth banks, your BHP, those types of things. But interestingly, there's eleven. Th- so there's two thousand two hundred of those listed and publicly traded stocks and securities. But there's 11,000 registered managed fund vehicles out there oh. to go and make those decisions and pick which is the best share and, you know, and, and make those investment calls. So the question I, you know, I kind of was trying to uh, ask and raise in the article is why would you have five fund managers 
for every stock or you know security mm. out there that's able to be traded why, why would you have so many wouldn't, wouldn't they almost be all doing something similar that's uh, exactly right they're, they're investing in the same pool of companies aren't yeah. they so mm. it becomes very narrow and then you've got to ask the question well what are they what are they actually doing and what's the what's the incentives that sit behind there and yeah. hey lo you, and you lo sound very cynical hey but, you know me steve yeah. i i can't be cynical with this but lo and behold i mean what sits behind there it's 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 money it mm. you know they are incentivised, and when I say they, I'm generally speaking about the funds management industry. They're incentivised to manage money, and you know, business is good for them. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the more people they can convince to invest in their fund, then the more money they make because you know there are management fees yep. in, in every fund. Um, and and yeah. and they don't fix their fees mm. because there's less stocks out there in the mm. universe, or mm. less securities to trade or mm. manage on your behalf. Their their fees are capped on how much money you uh, uh, based on how much money you're putting in. So mm. there's no more um, businesses out there that they can make business decisions about and potentially one-up each other. So you alluded to it earlier, they're basically all holding the same stock. They're not really competing against each other. They're all reflecting similar returns depending on the assets that they actually hold, yeah. but they're the, just winning on the fee. Yeah, their returns will vary um, according you know, to different periods of time. Yes. You know, I, I, you know that I have a view, and listen, we, we might be attacked uh, by fund managers and, and uh, other financial planners for saying this, but, no, bring it but on. My, my view is that um, active fund managers, so those mm. that are saying that they're picking the best stocks and, and making all these decisions and charging a, yes. a reasonably high fee for it, um, I don't think they actually outperform over the long term. No. You know, when we're talking long term, we're talking periods, you know, five, seven, ten years plus. Yep. Um, so they might they might jag it and uh, actually outperform over a short period of time. Jag it and advertise it really hard that they've outperformed yeah, over yeah. a certain period yeah, of time. Yeah, short period yeah, of time short usually. Period. Yep. But my view is that um, if they even survive 10 years, mm. um, that they probably won't have performed better than the broader market that yep. they're investing in. Well, well, statistically, Steve, and it doesn't matter which industry uh, or which country that you cut this down to, but. 80% of fund managers in Australia over a 10 year period underperform the asset class that they track, so the yeah. Australian shares. So in they're general. investing into the Australian share market yep. as you know an active Australian share fund manager. Mm -hmm. And trying to make yeah. calls. Yeah, then they are not actually performing better than the market that they're investing in. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And over longer tranches of time, mm. it becomes much less. And, yes. it's, and there's evidence to show in the United States where they've got a bit more of a study in this that 98% of active fund managers, so stock picking fund managers, have underperformed the market that they track. Yeah. So what's the easier thing to do? What, rather than try and find the uh, needle in the haystack, just yep. go and own the haystack, which is the market that you want yep. through an index fund, low cost, no transaction, you know, low transaction, tax yep. effective, um, and get that return through the market in that way. Yep. And you're probably going to do better than professionals who are, who are charging you a pretty penny to do it. But yeah, I mean, yep. you raised the point. We'll probably we'll probably cop some flack on that, but I'm I'm willing to wear that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it's uh, but, yeah, it's very yeah, very very interesting. Um, part of our industry around, mm. around money. Wherever there's money involved, there'll be people trying to get a share of it. Yeah, um, and so my analogy yeah. about too many cooks in the mm. kitchen, I mean, you know, five fund managers for every, you know, mm. potentially traded security in Australia mm. is 
we all know that analogy too many cooks in the kitchen it ends up a massive mess and mm. you know the, there's mm. a frying pan on fire and mm. and everyone comes and come, comes out um in yeah. in in a not very good position so you know that that's sort of the analogy that i'm running there um and you know we know that that is very much the truth in the funds management industry yeah not personal advice though so yeah but but if you're going to be investing in any managed funds including your superannuation fund mm. because that's a managed fund mm. um yeah do your research mm. and um and you yeah, know invest according to what's right for you yep. um but you know our view is that um less active management means lower fees which means better returns yep. over the long term yeah well you keep more of that return yeah keep more of that mm. return so there you go. There's our um, bit of a kick in the backside for the active oh, well, uh, managed funds. Um, we're, we're, but, when we're but ready, that's just our view. Yeah, when we're ready. I mean, you know, what what we'll aim to do is just pull together probably some a podcast that covers it in a bit more detail around the active versus passive management, and actually get some statistics, some hard hitting statistics, so it actually makes sense to people out there. So hmm. yeah, we're making the claim today, hmm. um, and as I said, there'll be people that will upset as as a result of it. But um, when when we've got some time together, we'll put a podcast that that actually really hones in on it. Beautiful. <laughs> if you want to, Steve, yeah, or we, if we haven't we, been chased <laughs> chased away with pitchforks, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Okay, that's it for us for today. All right, um, That's cool. our no, uh, podcast no for the today, 19th. So no, no, no specific question from yeah. a viewer uh, or listener today. Um, so so we'll get, close up there. Remember, leave a review. Yep. Um, get on the website, uh, ask a question um, about anything that we've discussed. Um, share with your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it for us today. Yep. We cool. will see you all again or hear from you or you'll hear from us yeah. in another fortnight. Money see you guys. signing off. See ya.